Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we continued our look at the defense's cross-examination of SLED digital forensics expert, Lieutenant Britt Dove. In this installment, we conclude our review of Lieutenant Dove's testimony. That's all coming up, right after the break. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It is just before the lunch break on Wednesday, February 1st, 2023, day six of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, defense attorney Philip Barber was cross-examining SLED digital forensics expert Lieutenant Britt Dove. With his questions regarding the comparative data from the victims and the defendant's cell phones, Barber seemed intent on eliciting testimony from the witness that might serve to exculpate rather than incriminate his client. We begin today with Barbara pivoting to a question about a second data extraction from Alex Murdoch's cell phone. I'm going to switch off of timeline a little bit and ask, were you aware of a uh, Celebrite logical extraction of Alex's phone that was uh, conducted on June 10th? I have been told there was one conducted, yes, sir. Did you ever receive that? I received a copy of it several months back. Did you receive it after you did the full follow-up extraction? Yes, sir. So there was really not, it wasn't very useful? To you. No, so I was working off of my extraction because I was able to obtain the full file system, which gives me more information than an advanced logical would do. With that line of questioning reaching a dead end, Barber turns back to questions regarding the discovery of Maggie Murdoch's phone. Turn to um, Maggie's phone and the recovery of that. Is it your understanding it was recovered in the afternoon of the day after 6 June 8th? I, my understanding is it recovered June 8th. Um, the approximate time it was recovered or time frame, I'm not 100% sure of. Can I show you what has been marked as within Exhibit 42? Yes, sir. Do you recognize this form? Yes, sir, I do. And what is it? It is our evidence intake form for the Computer Crime Center. Is this the intake form for Maggie Murdoch's phone? Yes, sir, it is. What's the date on this form? The date on the form is June 9th, 2021. Is that when her phone came to you? Yes, sir. So you didn't have it from on the same day they recovered it. It was the next day. Correct. On this form, you see where it uh, says subject's name. What does subject's name mean? It's just the name of a subject, whether it be a victim, a witness, a suspect, anything else that um, would be provided by the investigator for. And here where it says subject name unknown, would you understand that to mean the subject to be the person who committed the homicide? No, sir. Like I said, it's just a subject name. It could We get them that are witnesses. Some are victims, some are suspects. It's just a subject's name. Well, down here under keywords, do you see where it says urgent request and it's checked yes? Yes, sir. And then what's the reason for that request? It says unknown suspect. 
and again, given that this is a homicide, doesn't this indicate that, that, that at this time they're saying we don't know who committed this homicide? And there's some urgency about looking at the victim's phone? Yes, sir. I'm going to stick with Maggie's phone, but really quickly, I want to just quickly turn Paul's. Show you what's been marked as Defense Exhibit 46. Do you recognize that? Yes, sir, I do. And what is it? It is an evidence intake form for the Computer Crime Center. It's led. Lieutenant Dove, this, is this the intake form for Paul's phone? Believe it to be so, yes, sir. Uh, which you got on uh, August 13, I believe we had testimonial. Yes, sir. Um, is it an urgent request? No, sir, it's not checked, yes or no. Is there any anything written on here that indicates that the subject is unknown? No, sir, the subject line is blank. I'm going to turn back to um, Maggie's phone. you recognize this? Yes, sir, I do. And what is it? It's an examination worksheet for mobile devices. And this is for Maggie's phone? Yes, sir. When did you perform the uh, full file system extraction on uh, Maggie Murdoch's phone? Well, June 16th, 2021. And that was eight days after it was recovered, right? Yes, sir. And, and why was there an eight-day delay? I attempted to process it. I um, was only able to get a partial extraction originally from the device. It would not process fully with the iOS and the model of that phone. Um, I did do an advanced logical to get some information off for the investigators since it was an unknown suspect. Then on the 15th of June of 2021, Grakey updated the software, and then I re-ran it the next day with the updated software to get the full file system. Uh, is it fair to say that the, the, essentially there were some technical difficulties and you were unable to do it for eight days? It was just that at the time, Grakey did not support that model and that iOS. It was not difficulties that just did not support it. And during that eight-day um, period, would anything have been lost on the phone? We've talked a lot about how things can, can go pretty quickly on some of these tables. Was anything uh, lost during that time? Some of the location data from GPS systems since the phone came in in airplane mode could have been overridden. And I think we talked before that that's, uh, that's in a, one of these SQL-like databases called Cache. Yes, sir. Uh, and I think we even looked at, on the pulse phone, the timeline, the state's attorney pointed out some GPS locations. Yes, sir. Was the source of those on the timeline, that was cache. That was the cache SQLite database, correct? Yes, sir, it was. Okay. So now I want to ask you if you recognize this document. Yes, sir, I do. And what is this? It's a database. Um, it's tables from a database that denote longitude, latitude, time stamps, accuracy. Uh, and for whose phone? Uh, it says on the top, Maggie Murdoch's iPhone. And, and this is from the cache? Yes, sir. And it's just actually from the same table in the cache database as was the source in those GPS locations we were looking at on, on the timeline for Paul's phone. Yes, sir. They were both cache databases. What is the um, earliest entry on this? It appears that the first entry is at June 9th, 2021 at 2.51.21 p.m. So that's two days after Maggie Murdoch was murdered? Yes, sir. And it took eight days to extract her phone? Yes, sir. If it had been extracted in six days, would we have this data for the uh, night of the murder? It's possible. It appears it may be, yes, sir. The, those, that latitude and longitude of the uh, oldest entry, you know where that is? No, sir. I would have to plot it to know for sure. Would you disagree with me if I said that that's a, a sled building, given that it's the date? No, sir. I would... Uh, I would say that most of these are probably the sled annex building in Columbia. And it is. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Defense attorney Philip Barber next asks Lieutenant Dove to clarify why the GPS data for Maggie's phone may have been overwritten with data from the Sled Annex building in Columbia, South Carolina. Yesterday, um, you were asking questions about a Faraday bag and there was some discussion that often there's no real point if it's already in airplane mode. But you said that one difference between removing the SIM card or, or airplane mode and a Faraday bag is that the Faraday bag would block GPS signals. Is that correct? Yes, sir. If this phone had been placed in a Faraday bag until whatever the brachy issues were could be resolved, would it have preserved GPS data? It should have. If, as long as the Faraday bag was not defective and sealed properly, then it should have blocked the GPS. And then we would presumably have GPS data going back to 6-7. Yes, sir. I would imagine so in that time frame. Yes, sir. Barber hands Lieutenant Dove the log of texts from Maggie Murdoch's phone. And did you what's uh, been entered as uh, State's Exhibit 282? Yes, sir. We turn to page 16? Yes, sir. Do you see the uh, text message going to check on them? Be right back. Yes, sir. I do. Is there anything on there indicating it was delivered uh, around uh, 9.31 p.m.? It shows the time on here is recorded as June 7th, 2021 at 9.08.58 p.m. And in the, the rest of the information around that text message, do you see anything around this particular text message? Yes, um, just that its status is unread. No further questions, sir. Judge Clifton Newman invites Prosecutor John Conrad to begin his redirect examination of Lieutenant Dove. Conrad zeroes in on rebutting an inference drawn by defense attorney Barber in his questioning of the witness. Ms. Barber asked you about potentiality of Alex and Maggie's phones being carried at the same time, correct? Yes, sir. And you testified that there were no steps on Alex's phone at about the 8.55 time frame when we see steps on Maggie's phone, correct? Correct. Judge Newman admonishes Prosecutor Conrad and directs him to refrain from suggesting the witness's answer with his question. Don't leave the witness. At 8.55, and you can we can refer to the report again if you need to. Uh, between 8.53 and 8.55, do you see steps on Maggie's phone? Yes, sir. I see steps from 8.53 and ending at 8.55. And do you see any steps after that on Maggie's phone? No, sir, I do not. Uh, and if you want to uh, pick up Alex's steps report, if you don't mind, read, look at the exhibit number on the back real quick. It states exhibit 290. And would you look at the steps, the time frame of 8.05 to 9.02 p.m. on June 7th? 
Yes, sir. And do you see any steps on Alex's phone for that entire time period? From 8.05.35 p.m. to 8.09.52 p.m., it shows 74 steps. And and then, then, let me stop you. I think you misspoke. Uh, the start time was 8.05 and some seconds p.m., correct? Yes, sir. And what was the end? What? The end for that one was 8.09.52 p.m. Right. And do you see any steps after that prior to 9.02 on Alex's phone? No, sir. In his next question, Prosecutor Conrad makes reference to a recorded video. However, Lieutenant Dove corrects him and references a camera activation on Maggie's phone. And that video was recorded again at what time? The video was recorded. The camera was started at 8.44.49 p.m. And this is the information that Mr. Barber wrote down while he was having you read off some of these events, correct? Yes, sir. And at 8.55.04, I believe this was a screen on of him. Is that? Yes, sir. If you need to look at the, the original report, that's fine. All right. And then at 8.54, we see another orientation change at 5440, correct? Yes, sir. And then at 906.12, we have an orientation change that starts at 906.12, correct? Let me just verify the seconds real quick. At 906.12, yes, sir, I see the start of an orientation change to portrait. Okay. And two seconds later, what happens? You see a call. And from who? It's from PA on the report, but that's Alex Murdoch's phone number. Ends in 1227? Yes, sir. And I believe uh, Mr. Barber asked you, and I don't know, I can't remember if he wrote it down, what time does the screen turn off, or is Maggie's uh, phone screen on during that call at 9614? Let me ask you that. Yes, sir. I see a time ending for the screen on at 9.0700 p.m., and... It looks like the screen started and came on at 9.05.44 p.m. Okay, so the screen comes on at 9.05, and it turns off when? It turns off um, at 9.07.00 p.m. And when was the next time Maggie's phone screen turns on? It turns on at 9.31.44 p.m. Between 9.07 and 9.31, Maggie's screen is off, correct? Yes, sir. All right, and I think you testified about this, but I'm going to ask you again. If the screen is off, will a phone record an orientation change? No, sir. And so Mr. Barber was asking you about the phone being thrown uh, at this 9.06.48 time frame, correct? Yes, sir. And ultimately, you can't tell us exactly when that phone was thrown, correct? Correct. With the information that, that you've recovered from the phone, correct? Yes, sir, correct. But if that phone have been thrown after 907 with the screen off, would you expect to see an orientation change? No, sir. If that phone had been thrown at 908.58, when that text from Alex comes in to going to see him, if it had been thrown in that time period, would you expect to see an orientation change? No, sir. After concluding his rebuttal of the defense's inferences regarding the data timeline extracted from Maggie Murdoch's phone, Prosecutor Conrad next turns back to the information extracted from the defendant's phone. Let's look at Alex's steps one more time. All right, let's look at Record 26. This is something we've previously talked about, correct? Yes, sir. And that's 283 steps between 92 and 906 p.m., correct? Yes, sir. And that's Alex's phone, correct? Yes, sir, it is. All right, and record 27. What is indicated in that record, sir? It shows that the phone recorded 195 steps starting June 7th, 2021 at 9.22.39 p.m. and ending at 9.32.14 p.m. Okay, record 28. What does this record indicate, sir? 
This record shows steps being recorded by the phone of 60 starting June 7th, 2021 at 935 55 p.m. and ending at 945 37 p.m. At 922, there's 195 steps, correct? Yes, sir. And at 935, there's 60 steps, correct? Yes, sir. Now, you've testified and talked about this quite a bit. You know, a, a step count, is, is that something you can 100% rely on as the exact number? No, sir, it's not 100% accurate. Um, and Mr. Barber asked you about the phone will record distance as well, correct? Yes, sir. It can record distance and show it in meters. All right. And we've already, you've already testified that the steps is not always exactly accurate. In your opinion, the distance that's recorded by a phone from steps, is that generally accurate? No, sir. And would the distance that the phone records, would that be, in your opinion, more or less accurate than the steps that are recorded? The distance is recorded, I would considered to be a little less accurate than I would the steps. Right, because there's some variables, correct? Yes, sir. Such as? There's different variables about stride length um, as far as when somebody's walking. Some people stride further than others. Some people, when they walk, to, they'll walk faster than that, so they can cover a greater distance in a short amount of time, but they're using more steps a lot of times because they're not striding maybe as far. But we see 195 steps at... 922, correct? Yes, sir. And 60 steps at 935, correct? Yes, sir. And is 60 less or more than 195? 60's less. And would you expect the distance traveled at 935 to be less than the distance traveled at 922? I would have no way of knowing. Just depends on if somebody was up walking around versus sitting down. Um, it's just hard to say. But more steps were taken at 922, correct? Yes, sir. Judge Newman sustains the defense objection to Prosecutor Conrad leading the witness. Enter number two there on the, uh, that we see up on the screen. Can you read that, please? Yes, sir. It's June 7th, 2021. It's at 7.55.26 p.m., but this is an UTC time. So to go back minus four hours to set it to our time zone would be at 3.55.26 p.m. Right, and that's 3.25, 3.55 in the afternoon, correct? Yes, sir. Of June 7th, correct? Yes, sir. That's in the afternoon. You should okay. track four. Right. Read that text, please. It says, T.Y., I'm waiting at doctor. Alex wants me to come home. Alex I what? Wants me to come home. I had to leave door open at Edisto, but trust Mexicans to shut and lock for me. His dad is back in hospital. The last doctor claims no cancer. It's pneumonia. And there's some emojis, and it says Alex, but I'm not sure if that's going into the next thread or not. Let's go to the second page of that, please. Let's, let's, we want to make this 100% clear. Highlight, just highlight for us the time on the text entry, the text that he just read, where it says 7.55.26. This is Greenwich Mean Time, correct? Yes, sir. Also, also known as, yes. Also, you know it as UTC, correct? Yes, sir. This is not local time. Correct. It's 3.55.26 p.m., correct? Correct. Right. Our time sign. All right, go to page two, please. Text entry number six. What time is that? in local time. It says 8.03 p.m. What is that in local time? In local time, I would subtract four hours from that. It would be 4.03.14 p.m. What does this text say again? It says, yes, he does. He told me he was tired when he left. I hope they are treat Mr. Randolph at least to make him comfortable. Okay. Uh, let's go now to entry number eight. And again, what that's 8.06.43 Universal Time. What is that? Eastern Time? 
It would be subtracting four hours. It would be at 4.06.43 p.m. And what does that text message say? It says, I am scared for him and Alex and all of us. All right. It says him. We just read the text at number six. From the context of this message, who do you think him refers to? I believe it refers to his father, Mr. Randolph. But it says she is scared for Mr. Randolph and who? And Alex okay. and all of us. Mr. Barber asked you about uh, that camera that came on on Maggie's phone, and I believe it's around 854 or 855, and you can, you have that report, if you need to look it up real quick, you can. So that camera that came on, can you look at the exact time again at 8, I think it's 854 time frame? Yes, sir. It shows an end time of 854.35 p.m. What was the start time? It was 854.34 p.m. So that camera was accessed for how long? One second. Uh, and I know you testified that from the data you have, you can't say with 100% certainty how that camera is activated, correct? Correct. It's just showing as an application usage. It could have been that the camera, the phone thought it saw something and the camera was activated. It could have been running in the background. For one second, it doesn't look like somebody might have touched it to cut it on. In your experience and expertise, you've reviewed phone data that shows cameras being turned on that uh, by persons at certain times, correct? Yes, sir. And when you see if a camera activated to be used as a camera, i.e. to take a picture or to take a video, uh, how long is that camera app on generally? It's usually several seconds to a minute because the camera has to come into focus of the picture it's going to take. And if a camera app is on for only one second, in your opinion, what does that lead you to believe? Where it's located in the application usage log, and for one second, to me, it would indicate that the phone's camera was possibly looking to see if it recognized a face or recognized something that was running in the background. Defense attorney Philip Barber rises for a brief recross of Lieutenant Dove. Very quickly, on this uh, camera, are you familiar with something on the iPhone phone called Springboard? Yes, sir. What is Springboard? It's usually things that are set that once you touch them, they'll bring it up to the focus as far as with applications of different things. If Knowledge C had data about that camera app that indicated the usage came from Springboard lock screen, mm -hmm. would that tell you anything about how the, the camera was activated? If it showed it was coming from the lock screen springboard, it would mean that on your iPhone, if you look at it, you have at the bottom right corner a little camera there that you would be hitting that from there. Have you checked to see if that metadata is, is the knowledge seat for this camera event? No, sir, I didn't review the springboard metadata. So, and, and we saw with when the easel was up, there's kind of a little flurry of activity screen on and off, orientation changes happening right around when this, this camera usage happened. And if it were coming from the lock screen, if we had some metadata that would show that, which we may well have, could it be that she was trying to take a picture of someone, say a perpetrator? If for one second, it would be to start and stop in one second, I would imagine that would be difficult, um, but could somebody accidentally activate their camera and then shut it off? Yes, sir, that is possible. And if the perpetrator or perpetrators responded by shooting at her, could that explain why it went off in one second and there were a bunch of orientation changes very shortly thereafter? I would think if somebody went and activated their camera and then they're in fear, they wouldn't think to just shut off the camera. But if they had their finger on the, the phone, they, it, it could happen, right? There's a lot of possibilities yeah. could happen, um, not knowing how a person reacts. Does the camera app ever store a, a, a snapshot of, of the app? In other words, a screenshot 
that might have an image even if you didn't take a picture? I haven't seen that with the camera stuff. I've seen snapshots be captured of apps running in the background. Have you looked through these the, the snapshots in this time frame, all the ones on the phone? Are they all up there? The ones I look at, I did look at one. The last one from my recollection was a Facebook that was open in the background. Further question. You may step down, and ladies and gentlemen, we will break until for an hour and 15 minutes, around 2.35. With Judge Newman excusing Lieutenant Dove as a witness and calling for the lunch recess, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we review the testimony of the gunshot residue investigator who worked the scene of the murders and we begin our look at the direct examination of Rogan Gibson, a friend with whom Paul Murdoch exchanged text messages just before Paul was killed. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.